Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel for today's installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open, the floor is yours. What are the things that you guys want to talk about? That's what we're here to do. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege you guys decided to join me here this afternoon. Good to see all of you guys in the live chat here. Uh, actually, starting a little bit late because uh, I had a problem with my microphone. I actually had to change out the cable uh, for whatever reason my mic wasn't working, but I think everything is working now. Yes, you guys are able to see and hear me. All okay in the live chat, I believe. Um, good to have you guys here. And uh, we got a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about here that you guys had sent in. Um, over the last couple of days, and of course today in the live chat. But before we get into all that stuff, I want to just touch for a minute on this Loki situation with Tom Hiddleston. You guys will remember that yesterday we talked about uh, Tom Hiddleston, who was on Jimmy Fallon the other night. And when Jimmy Fallon asked him, like, is this, are you wrapped up now? Is this the conclusion? And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I'm trying to remember exactly how Tom Hiddleston said it. But Hiddleston basically said, it's the conclusion of the season, it's, conclusion, it's the conclusion of two seasons, six movies, and 14 years of my life. Basically, he was saying that he was now done uh, playing Loki. He was basically saying he was done playing Loki, that, that his time as Loki was now wrapped up. It's the conclusion. He's given 14 years of his life, six films, two seasons of television, and he said, it's the conclusion. I'm done. So now we talked on the John Campion show yesterday about that a little bit. And I mentioned that on the show that um, I believe him when he says that, but I also believe he will be back. Like when he says, I think I'm done. I believe he thinks he's done, but I actually do believe that at some point uh, he will be back. I, I believe he'll be back. And Sir Maelston is actually pointing out, yeah, this is exactly what Tom Middleton said. He goes, I was 29 when I was cast as Loki, uh, and I'm now 42. It's been a long journey. So uh, there we are. Now, that got a lot of people speculating because of what he said, that, oh, I guess he's done now. Now, he was doing another interview with uh, Comic Book, and they asked him to follow up on that. And he said the following that makes it sound like he might still be open to playing more in the future. He said this, Tom Hiddleston said, it's so hard because I'll be completely honest with you. I have at least twice in my life said goodbye, Hiddleston explained. I've written to Kevin Feige and Louis D'Esposito and Victoria Alonso and been like, thank you so much. It's been the role of a lifetime. And they've written notes back saying, come and see us anytime. You're always a part of the family. We're always here. You've given us so much in tears and have been shared. So I think it would be unwise at this point to be conclusive about any of it. So basically what Tom Hiddleston here is saying is that, like, yes, I think I'm done. But there have been at least two other times that I thought I was done and written my goodbye notes to the folks at Marvel, said my goodbyes to Kevin Feige and Louis Desposito and Victoria Alonso. Of course, Victoria Alonso is not there anymore, but, you know, I've written my goodbyes and we said goodbye and all kind of stuff. And yet I kept coming back. So he did not take it back. I've seen some people saying that, oh, Tom Hiddleston took back the fact that he said he wasn't done anymore. No, he didn't. He didn't take it back. He just said it would be unwise at this point to be conclusive about any of it. And so what I think he's saying here is that, yeah, as far as I know, I'm done. 
but I thought I was done a couple of other times and I ended up coming back. So he's saying he's done. He thinks he's done, but he is open to the idea that um, that he'll be coming back. He's or, or he's he's at least open to the idea that he could return at some point someday, right? Because he thought he was done before. I really do believe he'll be back. And the reason I believe he's coming back is because just the other week on the John Campus Show, we talked about the fact that one of the executives of Marvel said, it's always been our plan to reunite Thor and Loki. Well, if that's always been their plan and that's still on their you know, dream board, is that what you call it? A dream board, a vision board, whatever you call it. If that's still up there, then I think they'll give, be, be giving him a phone call at some point and ask him to come back and he'll do it. He's loved playing Loki and he's been damn near perfect in the role of playing Loki. So yeah, yeah, I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back. But anyway, guys, what do you think about what he said? What do you think about his comments? Um, uh, King Daddy Goat is saying, I think he'll be back in the future, in a future film. He doesn't deserve to be on a TV show. Well, I mean, I agree too. I think Loki is a feature film, big screen character, not a television character, but he's clearly had a good time playing it with his own show. So, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys, with all that down, we are now going to move over and start taking questions that you guys have been sending in. Now there are two different ways to send in questions. The first way to send in a question or a topic is if you're watching any of the 23 hours a day that we're not streaming live, you can use our tip link at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. And you can send in a question that way. Or if you are watching live right now, you can use the super chat feature and send in a question that way. Just to let you guys know, though, at some point I will be turning off the super chats. Uh, they're currently still on, but at some point I'll be turning them off. All right. That down, let's get over to your question, shall we? And that's the wrong one. We're going to start off here with Duck Duck, who writes, Buenas tardes. I'm shocked to know you didn't like War for the Planet of the Apes. I did not. Uh, I thought it was amazing. I'm glad that you did. Uh, the music performances, the opening, the murder of his family, the jailbreak, Woody Harrelson, Caesar. Not everyone has to like it, uh, but I hope you rewatch it. Oh, I did rewatch it, and I liked it less the second time. I hope you rewatch it before the new one comes out. I understand that the trailers might have been misleading and ruined some of it for you. Uh, maybe you'll feel differently knowing that the movie is this time around. No, I saw it twice. So I went to go see it um, at a press screening on the Fox lot. And listen, there was a bunch about it that I appreciated and that I liked. And then I thought about it more and it sat less well with me. And then I went to go watch it again in a regular theater and I, it just, it didn't work for me. And I understand a lot of people like, and that's great. I love the other two Apes movies. I, I just didn't like the third and uh, rewatching it again is not going to change that. It's probably just going to make me like it less, but anyway, that's just me. Uh, all right. Um, next up we've got, where are we at? We're at Garden Variety Vagabond who writes one of two in a BBC interview with David Tennant. They state that he cannot discuss Dr. Who asserting the ongoing actor strike prevents him from talking about those Dr. Who is now a BBC slash Disney co-production. Uh, and us actors union SAG Actra has been on strike since July. I thought that it was uh, being co-produced and not just distributed by Disney. They have been marketing a ton of old interviews and clips versus the actors going to cons, et cetera, as normal. Um, I, I, is there a question in there? 
I listen, I'll be honest with you guys. I have no idea about anything when it comes to Doctor Who. Like no idea uh, about anything <coughs> about Doctor Who. I used to watch some Doctor Who reruns when I was a little kid, you know, the Daleks and stuff like that. But I, I honestly don't know anything. I don't care about Doctor Who. I'm not saying there's anything bad about it. I don't watch it to say that it's good or bad. I'm just saying I don't care about Doctor Who. Um, so I haven't followed any of it and I have no idea what's going on. Obviously now you probably wrote, sent this in just before the actor strike ended. The actor strike is now over, so that's probably not an issue. But yeah, I, I really don't know what to tell you about that, unfortunately, Garden. All right. Suthius writes, I don't understand fandom. When a project is liked, barely any praise is given to the creators. But when something isn't liked, most of the negativity isn't directed towards the quality, but rather because of the female or black leads or having an agenda. I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. I mean, you know, I put up a, a post on the community tab where I basically asked, I said, somebody help me out here because I see a whole bunch of people calling the Marvel's movie woke right? But I said, I've seen the movie twice. I don't love the movie by any stretch, but I've seen the movie twice. And not once is anything about equality, girl power, uh, sexual orientation, race, blood, like I, social, you know, action. There's not a single mention of any of that stuff in the movie. Like not once. There's one joke where um, uh, Samuel Jackson goes black girl magic. But I mean, again, that has nothing to do with social justice or equality or anything like that. That was, that was one random joke that Nick Fury said, but I mean, I, I don't get it. There was literally nothing, none of that stuff. Cause I know there's a bunch of people out there who hate the idea of equality and hate the idea of, of, you know, representation and hate the idea of any sort of, you know, balance in the world or actually presenting our world the way it really is. But, but that being said, I, I have no idea. Like, what is it they're saying is quote unquote, are they just saying it's woke because there are female actors in it? Is that why it's woke? That movie's got women. Women are only good to show their boobies in my daddy's dirty magazines. Like I, so I just don't understand. Like I watched the movie twice. There is nothing in the movie about that. Anyway, I, it's really weird. Um, anyway, next up, uh, we move on to, uh, Henry Martens who writes, I was hoping a Zelda movie would have the photorealistic background animation of how to train your dragon, uh, with character designs faithful to the game. I think in live action, the casting costume sets and green screen might look silly. Your thoughts. I disagree. Lord of the Rings look perfectly good. Why can't a, a Zelda movie? I, I, I mean, yeah, like I, again, I'm not saying not every movie can be Lord of the Rings, but I mean, if Lord of the Rings, which is 20 years old, by the way, if Lord of the Rings can look amazing, if King Daddy Goat mentioned in the live chat too, if, if Avatar can look amazing, then why can't a Zelda movie? I, I don't see any reason why that can't look good. Now, look, it could look bad, but guess what? If it was animated, it could look bad too, right? So I think, listen, I may be, in the minority on this, but that's okay. Being right is sometimes lonely. Uh, I may be in the minority of this, 
But I really think going live action is 1,000% the right direction for them to go. I think it's 1,000% the right direction for them to go. And I'm really excited to see what they do with it. All right. Uh, next up, Sam Fisher writes, um, I would love for the Zelda movie to adapt either a Breath of the Wild or a Hundred Year Calamity before Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is like Mortal Kombat 1. It's a great starting point that isn't beholden to all the games and timelines that came before it. Also, I guess that's part one of two. Um, also, doing the 100 Year Calamity from the memories of Breath of the Wild would also be great because it gives you a really great five-man band structure, Link and other champions, and Zelda isn't directly in danger, so she doesn't fall into being the damsel. I think, honestly, look, there are many, there's no one story, there's no right answer to this. If the folks at Nintendo and Sony were to call me and say, what should we do the Zelda movie based on? I would personally go with Breath of the Wild. It's the most popular game. Well, I mean, it's one of the most popular games, period, of the past six or seven years. Um, but on top of that, it's it's the story. I think the story of Breath of the Wild is structured that it could be adapted into a motion picture uh, pretty easily. And I think it could be adapted for that Um pretty well. So I personally think they should go with that, but that's not to say that's the only answer. There's decades of history with this game, a lot of lore from the different games and from other sources as well that they could go, or they could make up something completely original. And I'm all for that too. It's one of those situations where, yeah, I would go with Breath of the Wild, but there's many answers. There, there's no one right answer. I think there's a lot of different paths to success that they could take here. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, they have, uh, Broadway Geeky. Right. I like that username. Right. Hey, one of my goals is to have a film company that specializes in book adaptations. Is there a specific research resource you suggest I should look into about how to go about making a prod production company and how to understand copyright and licensing law? Thanks. Well, Broadway Geeky, it sounds like you're starting from scratch. What I would highly recommend is take a film course. Um, there are a lot of different film courses about also the business end of film and stuff like that, how to structure a company, how to structure, you know, how to incorporate it under an LLC, how to do all that kind of stuff, how to acquire rights, whether different legal stuff. I mean, yeah, I would, I would honestly don't look for a shortcut. Like if you're thinking about making a true investment of your life, Fuck shortcuts. Everybody wants, where's, where's a quick website I can look at this? Fuck shortcuts. Do it right. Okay? Find somewhere close to you that's offering a real legitimate film program. Look for the track that's that focuses on business and production and go and take it. And I, I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm not saying you're doing this. I've just come across a lot of people. Well, no, I want something that's fast and easy. Just can't you point me to a web page that tells me everything I need to do? Dude, if you're going to fuck around, don't, don't fuck around, do it right. Uh, go and do something like that and give yourself a better shot, a success doing it the right way does not guarantee success, but you're, you'd be better off to position yourself better to have a bigger opportunity for success. And I say, do it the right way. That's the way you should go about it. And that's a big, big undertaking you're taking on. And I think it's awesome that you're doing it, but do it the right way. All right. Next up. Lawrence writes, uh, reference to today's show, hypothetically, how much would it cost to buy DC from Warner? Um, an unattainable amount because 
you can only buy something for something for a price tag that somebody else is willing to sell it for. Warner Brothers is not willing to part with DC. David Zaslav has made it very clear that DC is really part of the future of that entire company. They believe DC has the biggest potential to be the biggest successes that they have at that company. And understanding that as the background and the premise, there is no selling it. There's, there's no purchase price for it. Like unless you literally were going and offering them an amount of money that they would literally sell the whole company for, in which case you're probably today, I'm guessing you're probably looking at the $20 billion mark. I'm going to guess somewhere in the $20 billion is something that maybe they would look at, but it's not something anybody's going to be. And even I doubt it that I even doubt it at that because they are, it's too big of a priority for them. It's just too massive a priority. And not only is it a big priority for them, they just invested a ton in having James Gunn and Peter Safran come in. They're getting ready to spin up this whole new thing. Yeah. There's just no purchasing it. Uh, not at this point. All right. Uh, next up we go to, uh, full boil who writes, Hey John, I have never read any star Wars novels and I would like to check some out. Are there any titles that you recommend? Thanks. Um, if you're looking at being in current Canon, like forget like all the expanded universe stuff that isn't real. It's bit, it's not Canon. It's not legit. If you're talking about stuff that's currently in Canon, um, Lost Stars is fabulous. Write that down. Lost Stars is fabulous. It's a great place to start because it's very familiar. Lost Stars actually takes place over the course of all three of the original films, but it's being told from the perspective of two different characters. And it's wonderfully done. Wonderfully done. There's also one called Tarkin. Um, that is great. And then there's one that I love, but I'm forgetting the name of it. I think it's Lords of the Sith. It's basically one where the Emperor and Vader crash on this planet and they both got to fight to survive. It's actually pretty remarkable. Um, and I think, it, guys in the, in the um, live chat, help me out. Is it called Lords of the Sith? I think that's the name of the book. Let me know. Fire it into the live chat there and let me know one way or the other. But yeah, so if you're going to do stick with current canon, I would go with those ones. If I If you're talking about any of them, I love the, the Thrawn trilogy. Like I'm not talking about the current Canon Thrawn trilogy. I'm talking about heir to the empire trilogy. That's really, really good. Um, so, and I'm being told in the live chat that yes, it, sorry, it is called, uh, it is indeed called Lords of the Sith. So that's the name of it. A great, great book. Go check that out. Otherwise the heir to the empire trilogy. All right, next up. Uh, an anonymous viewer writes, something else to consider with Deadpool 3 is that uh, the 50% that was already filmed was based on a script that couldn't be revised. So is it possible that post-production wasn't done on the entire 50% because they felt the need to revise a few scenes? I doubt it. If they were already well underway into production, that means your script is done. Too many film fans think that like making a film is kind of done the same way you would make lunch plans. Like you can just change your mind at any second. Like you understand they lock a script, 
a line producer comes in, goes over the script, figures out exactly what's needed, how much money needs to be spent to make this script happen. They book locations, they book crews, they book it. Everything is planned out to the detail. That doesn't mean there's no flexibility and no room to wiggle a little bit. There is, but they don't just go haphazardly. Like this stuff is like literally scheduled and budgeted down to the dime, right? Across things. So if they were already... They, you never go into production thinking, oh, we'll just fool with the script as we go. Sometimes necessity comes up and they have to do that. That's very expensive. But for the most part, they've got a locked script. So I would, I would venture that they probably didn't start shooting until they knew they had a locked script. Doesn't happen every single time, but 99% of the time, that's the way it's done. So... Yeah, I, I don't think they're changing the script at this point. I mean, they might change some lines of dialogue to add in a joke here and there, but changing the script? No, they're not doing that at this point, I don't believe. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, we got uh, Garden Variety, who writes, I just saw the Marvels, and it was a safe thumbs up for me. But the coolest part was that I coincidentally sat next to co-follower of you all, Smash Machine. For a second time, the show community is not just in the metaverse. You know what's funny? Somebody else wrote in last week to say that they were at a movie theater. Where was? Oh, they were at a screening of Next Goal Wins, and they heard the people talking behind them that said they were there because John Campia mentioned the secret screening to watch Next Goal Wins. And so it's kind of funny when viewers of the show run into each other at movie screenings. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that with me, Garden. I appreciate that, man. All right. Next up, Edwin writes, Hey, John, after the Coyote versus Acme cancellation, I have to ask, who the hell is going to want to work and make a movie for Warner Brothers uh, when at any given moment it could just get axed for ridiculous reasons? All that hard work to come and build the fence. And guess what? After the contractor builds the fence, if you decide... I want to take an ax to that fence and chop it all down. Guess what? It's your fence. You can do that if you want. And nobody gets to cry about it because it's your fence, right? It belongs to you. When you buy a car from a dealer and they sell you a red car and you take it home, you might, you know what? I think I want this car to be blue. The car dealership doesn't get to come. You say, but wait, we sold you a red car. You should keep it red. You're going to say... Fuck you. It's my car. I paid for it. It's mine. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want with this car, right? Uh, that is the exact same. People don't like to think of it that way, but that's the exact same thing here. If, when, if Warner Brothers pays to make a movie, if Disney pays to make a movie, if Paramount pays to make a movie, if Universal pays to make a movie, if anybody pays to make a movie, it's their fucking movie and they can do with it whatever they want. And who's going to want to work with them? People who want a job. People who want to direct a film. And guess what? Out of the 500 films that Warner Brothers has produced and put their money behind and whatever in the last 10 years or so or 15 years, how many have gotten axed? Four out of the last 500? I mean, yeah, I, I just don't... I... I I, I don't know why that is such a difficult concept for people to wrap their heads around. Like if we talk about your property, right? Suddenly now you'll get, we get it. When we talk about something that's mine, when it's something that's yours, like if you hire some dude to come in and paint your living room and you pay for that guy to come in and paint your living room, it's your living room, you own it, 
You're paying for it. It's yours. The painter doesn't get to come back to you and tell you what you get to do. Like, like say you want to hang a picture now on the wall. The painter doesn't get to come to your house and say, no, 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 no. You can't hang a painting over what I painted. You can't hang art over the wall that I so masterfully painted. You're going to be like, fuck you. Yes, I can. It's my room. I paid for it. It's my wall. I can do that if I want. And if you decide you want to paint over the work that that painter did, are you an asshole for painting over the work that that other painter did? No, because it's your wall. You paid the guy for what he did. And I'm sorry, as somebody who, who my appreciation for movies has guided the entire direction of my life. I am a huge appreciator of movies. But... When somebody pays for something, it belongs to them and they can do whatever they want with it. If they want to put it out in theaters, they can put it out in theaters. If they want to dump it off to a streaming service, they can dump it off to a streaming service. Or if they decide for whatever reason, you know what, we just, we don't want to release this, then they don't have to release it. And nobody gets to say shit about it because it's theirs. Now, that doesn't mean I think it's a good idea. That doesn't mean that's what I would do, not in the least. But I'm never going to tell you what you can do with your property. And I'm never going to tell studio what they can and can't do with their property. It's just, yeah. Now, Malik R is saying, okay, John, I can see your point, but put yourself in the director's, writer's, etc. place. For many of them, this is their only chance to make it in the industry. And now nobody can see their work out there. Too bad. They are no worse off if Warner Brothers never put up the money to make the movie in the first place, right? If Warner Brothers decided to never make that movie, or if they hired somebody else to do it, they're no worse off. Only now, that director and that writer and everybody else involved, they got paid. And maybe nobody gets to see their work, and that sucks. But they got paid, and that's better than what it was before if they never made the film in the first place. So listen... If I was in a movie and let's say, let me use another studio. Let's say Lionsgate was going to release my movie and they put up $20 million for me to make some small little low budget movie and I make the movie. Would it suck if Lionsgate then after they, I made the film and they paid me and everything, would it suck if they decided not to release it? Yes, it would suck. I would hate that. Totally. I would hate that. But I'm not owed anything. They they paid they paid for the movie. They paid my salary. I got paid for my time. I got paid for my work. And it would suck if they decided not to release it, but that's their prerogative. It's their prerogative not to release it. You know, Disney just did the same thing with Disney Plus. They had a couple of shows that they had finished producing. They've decided they're not going to release it. Um and yeah. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Dark Knight is writing, didn't Disney do that to Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, except they put it out and never paid her? See, that was a different situation. The reason that was a different situation is because they had a contractual obligation with Scarlett Johansson that she was supposed to get a large portion of her remuneration, a large portion of her money was going to come from a percentage of the box office receipts, Right. And when that is a part of your deal, you take, like some of these actors have done this, they're doing it less and less now. When some actors take a lower upfront salary to take a percentage of the box office and they agree to do the work for that, well, now you're contractually obligated to release that thing. 
right? And that was the problem with the Scarlett Johansson situation was that a good chunk of her um, money that she was supposed to get for that movie was based on what the percentages of the box office returns were going to be. And so essentially, by then deciding not to give it a full exclusive theatrical release, they were literally stealing money from Scarlett Johansson. Now, most people do not have that kind of an arrangement that Scarlett Johansson had. I guarantee you that's not the arrangement that John Cena had for, uh, for Acme. But listen, the movie's going to be... Uh, the movie's going to get sold to some streaming service and it's going to end up being aired and stuff like that anyway. So it's, it's, it's funny. Um, it'll happen again. It's not something I would have done, but it's their movie. They can do it if they want anyway. And again, to answer your straight up question, Edwin, who's going to want to work with them? Any director or actor, whatever, who wants to work in this business, that's who's going to work for them. Because even if... Warner Brothers decides to, decided to cancel a movie they were working on. They still got paid. So, yeah, it is. It is what it is, man. Anyway, uh, Eddie Burton writes, When Gunn first took charge of DC and was asked about Keaton's future as Batman, he said, There's possibilities with Keaton's Batman. Uh, with the failure of Flash and no mention of Keaton since then, is it safe to say that Keaton's return as Batman was a one-off? Yes, 100%. And by the way, Eva, I think... I think in the early days, once Peter and James took over DC, I think they were just being very diplomatic about a lot of things. And I don't think they ever had intention of having Michael Keaton in. And they probably had, I'm guessing they probably had conversations with Michael Keaton, but you, I mean, you never know. I'm just taking a wild guess here. I'm, I'm just guessing. But yes, I believe that uh, there's no chance we're going to see Michael Keaton's Batman again. I'd be up for it. I really liked him in The Flash. But, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see him again. But you never know. Never say never. All right. Casinema writes, um, if I had a nickel for every show this year that ended with the title character ascending to godhood to create a better world for the people he loves, I'd have two nickels, Loki and Cayman Rider Geats. I have no idea who that is, uh, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Um you know, I think I remember that happening in another piece of fiction too that I can't recall off the top of my head. The guys in the live chat, do you want to tell me who um, who Cayman Ryder Geats is? I have no idea who that is. It's Phineas and Ferb. Is that somebody from Phineas and Ferb? I've never watched Phineas and Ferb. Oh, Hercules. Hercules? Anyway. Uh, all right, next up. We got Bansky Fan writes, I love Kevin Feige, but Marvel... Uh, is not in a great place. True. Uh, like in sports, great manager wins all the competitions, but then when your team starts going out uh, out of losing games, having bad seasons, no matter how brilliant he has been, a new coach can refresh uh, the team. It's a difficult thing to think about. Feige is brilliant, but change can be a good thing. You have to pick the right coach, switch Feige to head up Star Wars. It's unthinkable, but the stories have not been great. Uh, for some time, he's the creator. Okay, but here's the problem. Let me take your analogy, Bansky fan. <clears throat> Let me take your sports analogy and actually follow it through to its logical conclusion. It's one thing to say, okay, the coach was winning, but now they're not winning anymore. Okay, but when the general manager comes in and takes away all your star players and leaves you with nothing, and doesn't get you training facilities, and has you traveling 
in a three-day bus trip instead of putting you on a flight to fly you out, no one's going to blame the coach. The fact of the matter is, and we talked about this over three years ago when it was happening and we said this is what was going to happen and it did. When Bob Chapek took over as CEO of Disney, the one of the very first things he did, which by the way, to remind everybody, I was all on board with Bob Chapek being the successor to Bob Iger when it first happened. I was like, you know what? He's a logical choice. And I was all for it, all for it. But then shortly after he took over, he implemented this massive change where they completely changed the power structure at Disney. And whereas Kevin Feige used to report only and directly to Alan Horn, who is the head of all the movies at Disney, all the Pixar movies, all the Star Wars movies, all the Marvel movies, all the Disney animation films, all the Disney picture stuff, like Alan Horn, head of all movie division, and Alan Horn only reported to Bob Iger, right? So Kevin Feige was literally only one person removed from Bob Iger. And Kevin Feige was given almost complete authority. He had to check in with Alan Horn, of course, but they gave him almost complete power and authority to determine the direction, which projects will we make, how many projects will we make, where do the Marvel projects go, all that kind of stuff. That was all Kevin Feige's prerogative. Well, Bob Chapek came in and he created a new power structure. And instead of Kevin Feige reporting directly to the head of all the studios, Bob Chapek instituted new middle layers of management headed up by one of his banker buddies. And that middle layer of management was given the authority to determine how many projects get made and where do those projects go. That authority was taken away from Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, for a couple of years, was not in charge. Kevin Feige didn't get to decide which projects get made, and he didn't get to decide where do those projects go once I've decided to make them. That was all taken out of his hands. And as a result, you had Bob Chapek and his banker buddy saying, we need to really bump up Disney+. Plus. Okay, let's... Let's mandate all these projects going in and we need more product in theaters and we need all this kind of stuff. Now, granted, Marvel was already on the uptick in how much they were going to be producing, but a new glut of things came out. Forbes put out a list of like all the projects that got greenlit and put in production once Chapuk took over. Like some of them were already greenlit when Iger was still there, but there's this whole slew of stuff that got popped out once the middle manager, this banker buddy of his got in there. And we said, when that happened, when that new management system was put in place, when that new flow chart came into being, we said, these are all the problems that this is going to cause. And we're not going to feel the problems for maybe two years or so, but these are the problems, these are all, and it's all happened. Now, now, Bob Chapek is gone. The middle management has been wiped away. Kevin Feige has been given his power back, but it's still going to take a few years for us to get back to sanity, to get, we're still going to be living under the after effects of the Bob Chapek era for at least another one and a half to two and a half years. And at that case, when the GM comes in and sabotages the coach, you can't blame the coach for the results. And that's the situation here. So no, 
The fault is not lying with Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige does have to accept some of the responsibility. I'm not saying he doesn't. There is some of it, but you have to take into consideration the overall circumstances that were pretty much aligned against him when he was stripped of his power. And now he's got it back. Anyway. All right. Fair question to ask, uh, Bansky fan. All right. Tack writes, uh, saw the Marvels earlier, and while I'm not changing my top 10 MCU list or anything, it's exactly what the MCU needs right now. A fun movie with a creative premise and some great action and comedy sequences. The cast chemistry was incredible too. Eight out of 10. I I would certainly personally not give it an eight out of 10, but I, I mean, listen, you guys have heard me talk about the Marvels. I have issues with it. Okay. But like I said in my out of theater reaction, I do think the film was saved by the incredible chemistry between the three leads. Iman Vellani's Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel is maybe the best thing going in the MCU right now. Um, and it had some good heart, good charm, terrible villain. Uh, and that's not the actress's fault, but they just did a terrible, terrible job with the villain. Uh, badly paced, all that kind of stuff. But I think there was enough in there. I don't know that I would say the Marvels is exactly what the MCU needs right now, but in a strictly thumbs up or thumbs down world, I, I give it a thumbs up. I mean, I think that's why, like last I checked, 84% of the audience, let me see if this is still the case. Uh, the Marvels, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, last I checked, it was 84%. Um, it had of a uh, audience rating. Yeah, so it still has a 62% critic rating and 84% audience rating. So, I mean, that doesn't mean the audience loved it. It just means that 84% of the audience came out and said, yeah, I like it. I mean, maybe some of them loved it, but it's just at least 84% saying they liked it. So I'm with you on that. I, But I don't know that I would say it's exactly what the MCU needs right now. But I'm glad you enjoyed it that much, man. That's the important thing. All right. Uh, let's see. A a uh, Abraham writes, uh, Hey, John, I disagree with you when it comes to Loki having the power to survive on the bridge. My theory was that Loki was pulled from time, allowing him to survive raw timelines from tearing him apart. At least that's what I believe. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Well, here's the problem, Abraham. When we as, a, as fans are left to have to make up things, that's not good. Now, again, listen, let me be clear. I really enjoyed Loki season two. Right? Like, I think it was much better than Loki season one. I didn't love Loki season one, but I really enjoyed Loki season two. But the ending was a little contrived. They suddenly pulled out of their ass that Loki had power that he's never had before. And I, I've ever since I talked about that, a lot of people started talking to me and saying, well, John, you know, uh, as an Asgardian, he could have uh, late... Uh, 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 time out, time out, time out. Lest you forget, uh, Loki is not Asgardian. Loki is a frost giant. And he learned some magic arts and magic skills from his adopted mother, Frigga. And he may have even had some latent powers of his own. But... The reality is nowhere at no time under any circumstances in all of the 14 years that Tom Hiddleston has played Loki has the MCU even remotely suggested that Loki the character had even 2% of the power that he ended up having at the end of Loki season two. He's literally, now I know they keep saying he's a god. He's not really a god, but I mean, he literally has the power 
of a capital G God, that he has the power to breathe life into all of existence and all the timelines, that has never been remotely something that he could do. Never remotely something that he could do. And I wish that at some point along the line, they actually established that he had that potential, but they never did. Like, I think at one point there were some lines like, I don't know, maybe I'm more powerful than I thought. But it, but like, we're not just talking like powerful power. We're not, like, this is beyond Captain Marvel. This is beyond Thor. This is beyond Hulk. This is beyond Odin. Like, this is like 1,000 times more powerful than Odin. And that just kind of came out of nowhere. Now, again, don't take me wrong. It did not ruin the show for me. I still love the show and it completed one of the best character arcs in the history of the MCU. I just wish they'd done that part a little bit better, but that, that's just where I'm at. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, by the way, I keep hearing this excuse too. This excuse is something a lot of people are giving. Kareem writes, maybe he got those powers from those hundreds of years of knowledge from his time traveling. Let us not forget that Loki wasn't 35 years old and now he got an extra hundred years of life from studying quantum mechanics. Loki was already thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, right? On Asgard with Odin as his father going out into space on adventures with his brother Thor and all that kind of stuff. I don't think taking a century or two, which is nothing to him, studying quantum mechanics and how to make these machines work infused him with the power of gods. But anyway, uh, again, that's... That, you know, everybody wants to disagree with me, but nobody's given me a good counter-argument to that yet, other than just cause. And I suppose that's and again, it did not, it didn't, it didn't ruin the show for me. I love the show. But yeah, I just wish they'd done that one thing better. All right, Legends of Tomorrow writes. A few days ago, Warner Brothers Discovery stock price hit a new historic low, and soon uh, after, the axe of Zaslav swung again, uh, this time at the John Cena Roadrunner film. John, I know you're a Zaslav fan, uh, one of the few, but the volume of content he's cut is insane. When will it end? As long as it's profitable for them. Listen, there's a reason why Max is now one of the only two streaming services that are actually profitable. Netflix is profitable, and now Max is profitable. Warner Brothers Discovery is still carrying loads of debt from the acquisition and a lot of other stuff. But Max itself as a streaming service is now profitable. David Zaslav got that to profitability very quickly. And now Netflix and them are the only, they're the only streaming services that are actually turn a profit. All the other ones are still operating at a loss. A couple of them will get to profitability for sure, but they're not there yet. So look, with everything, you got to do what's best for business. And sometimes that means, that might mean having to scrap a project. Again, I'm not saying that's what I would do. I'm just saying it's understandable. All right, next up. Uh, Duck Duck writes, Buenas tardes. The rise of Skywalker was an embarrassing knee-jerk reaction to The Last Jedi. What an awful movie. There's almost nothing to get from this movie, in my opinion. In a way, it is the worst Star Wars movie, uh, but not for me. Uh, episode one exists. Uh, at least I can say Kylo Ren was consistently good throughout the sequels. Uh, what a waste. Well, that wraps up my Star Wars adventure. Mixed bag overall, but I had some, had some fun high points. Yeah, listen, I did... 
To be fair, I did warn you. The Rise of Skywalker is terrible. I The Rise of Skywalker is just awful. Um, it might even be worse than The Phantom Menace. And, well, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's not as bad as Attack of the Clones. I'll give it that. It's not as bad as Attack of the Clones, but it's bad. And I did, but I did give you warning, man. I did warn you in advance about that. All right. Next up, uh, Dwarfer writes, Hey, John, uh, a few choices for 2024 Marvel movies to take slots to fill. Venom 3, well, first of all, Venom 3 is not a Marvel film, just so you know. Uh, Shang-Chi 2, they're, they can't, they, they can't have, they can't possibly have a Shang-Chi 2 come out in 2024 when they don't even have plans for a Shang-Chi 2 yet. Like it's once they decide to greenlit a Shang-Chi 2, we're a couple of years away from it being able to come out. So there won't be any Shang-Chi 2 coming out in 2024. Uh, and Dr. Strange 3, again, they don't even have a script for that yet. So there's zero chance, zero chance that uh, Shang-Chi 2 or Dr. Strange 3 will come out in 2024. 0% chance. And Venom 3, again, is not a Marvel film. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dwarfer writes again. Hey, John, went to watch the Marvels. I thought it was pretty good. Apart from the mystical number, you probably mean musical number, uh, a bit cringeworthy, but overall pretty good. Seven or eight out of 10. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like the musical number. Like, don't get me wrong. I appreciated the idea in the vast galaxy, there's a world whose primary communication is done through song. I can appreciate that. Like, remember there's that one Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Picard got teleported down to a planet with another alien species dude and they spoke to, and the one spoke completely in, they didn't speak in metaphor, they spoke in allegory, or I can't remember, something like that. And me talk and Gerard at Tanagra. Do you guys remember that episode? It's an older episode, Star Trek Next Generation, anyway. So, um, in as much as I can appreciate that, like, they come up with this idea that there's this alien world um, where language is done differently than the way we understand it, like a world that literally communicates through song. I can appreciate that in principle. I just didn't like the execution of it. I Yeah, so I'm kind of with you on that. I didn't like the execution of it. But I know there are other people who really, really did. There are some people who loved it, including my wife. My wife loved that scene. I unfortunately did not. All right. Garden Variety Vagabond writes, one of two. John. The inconsistencies between MCU continuity reminds me of the book series starting in 1979 called Thieves' World. Never heard of it. Uh, a series of anthologies where some of the best fantasy writers build a shared world for characters that each of them wrote. That's kind of interesting. Uh, each could use each other's characters, but they had to work together if one story changed slash impacted another character or the world as a whole. Uh, MCU needs... Uh, Freegy, you mean Feige, to take the reins again and get control again. Absolutely. Uh, I recommend for all who like written fantasy, Robert Lynn Asprin, Lynn Abbey, Gordon R. Dixon, Paul Anderson, John Berner, Andrew Offutt, uh, CJ Cherith, Janet Morris, and Chris Morris. It's an amazing series. Uh, get a drink at the Vulgar Unicorn. Um, I mean, to the basic point you're making, one of the big things that I've been saying for a while that Marvel really needs is 
and, and and this is not what I would suggest for any other studio, but it's what has worked for Marvel is to get everything back firmly under the control of Kevin Feige and reduce the number of projects that they're doing so Kevin Feige can have a more firm hand control over it. Now, I would not normally recommend that for any studio or any production company, but Kevin Feige being directly hands-on in control, like I said, I've always said this, the MCU is the biggest studio interference studio there is. Whenever people cry about studio interference, I go, do you like Marvel movies? Yeah. Oh, nobody does studio interference more than Marvel. It's true. Kevin Feige has direct hands-on control over everything, but that's why it worked. There has never been, and there never will be another film franchise with a success track record of Marvel. What do they have? Like 13 films in the billion dollar club? Is it 13? Somebody, I might be off by one or two. Somebody look that up for me. But I think there are around 13 movies in the Billion Dollar Club. Maybe it's 11, maybe it's 12, maybe it's 14, whatever. But it's around 13 films in the Billion Dollar Club. There will never be another film franchise that has that success. Never going to happen again. Um, so they need, and it's not a coincidence that they started losing their quality once more, they started to add more every year, more and more projects every year were coming out and Kevin Feige has had less and less and less direct hands-on control. He is the ultimate quality control of Marvel. And while, again, I would not say this is what any other studio should do. They should never have one person this much in control of such a big franchise. But in the case um, of Marvel, yeah, man, that's exactly what they should do. They've got to get this thing back under his control, 100%, and I hope they get there. All right, guys, listen, we still have a lot more to get to, but before we get to those, we're going to take a quick second here. I'm going to go refill my drink, rest my voice for a moment, and we're going to hear from a couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at HelloFresh and Quip. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Guys, the holidays are right around the corner and HelloFresh can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you tons of time. We all know the holidays can be hectic and that's that's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in. These quick fixes help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. I've told you guys many times before that Anne and I, being working professionals, often would struggle when it comes to dinner time, having time to put something that tastes good and is healthy for us in front of us. Well, HelloFresh, with their great delivery, pre-portioned ingredients, easy-to-follow instructions, has made dinner time a fun time. So go to HelloFresh.com slash free and use the code can't be a free for breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash free with the code free. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Quip. Guys, you know that good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. For example, their incredible electric toothbrush. Guys, I've been using electric toothbrushes for years, and this is easily the best one I've ever owned. Time sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. A lightweight and sleek design for adults and kids with no wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. Reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, as well as bright plastic colors sure to make a pop on your bathroom counter. Skip the bathroom and snap into healthy habits with the new rechargeable electric toothbrush. All the features of the original Quip plus one magnetic charge powers up to three months of brushing. In addition to brush heads, Quip also delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from just $7. So if you go to getquip.com campia right now, you'll get 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, or water flosser. That's your 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, water flosser at getquip.com slash campia. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash campia. Quip, the good habits company. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh and Quip for sponsoring today's episode. All right, guys, with that down, let's get back to your questions here. We're going to pick things up with KJ Irving who writes, hey, John, quick thought. After seeing the Marvels and confirmed Sorry, after seeing the Marvels, the confirmed mutants slash X-Men are Namor and Ms. Marvel. While in an alternate universe, we have Professor X, Beast, Photon, as well as Deadpool, uh, Wolverine, Colossus, Yukio, Negasonic. Any thoughts on this? Well, look, here's the thing. With the ridiculousness and stupidity of multiverse, every conceivable mutant is already out there, right? Like they established in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, that there are infinite numbers of universes and realities. And in probably many of those are X-Men and X-Men characters. So every single one of them exists out there somewhere, some way, same form, and probably 500 variations of them and copies of them. It's one of the reasons why I hate multiverse stuff. By the way, if you notice that every, but now every fucking buddy does multiverse stuff now, uh, some of it I like, I admit, like Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. It's multiverse thing, but it's the best thing in movies right now. But Spider-Man is doing multiverse uh, fucking, um, Invincible is now doing multiverse. DC is doing multiverse. Marvel's doing multiverse. Like every fucking buddy, that's all anybody knows how to do now. Ooh, multiverse. Every, everybody's fucking doing multiverse. It's so irritating and annoying and lazy. Multiverse is lazy, 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 lazy. Can't come up with a good story. Oh, let's make my, my multiverse. That way we can kill that one guy and bring 17 of them back. Lazy. I freaking hate it. Uh, again, just like I don't like time travel, that there are still time travel movies that I really like. Uh, Star Trek The Voyage Home, uh, uh, Back to the Future. A couple of things that are super awesome and brilliant, and I love them. I just, I just mean in general, I hate the idea of freaking multiverse. It just ruins everything. Uh, I need them to end this multiverse saga as quickly as possible. Anyway, uh, just the tip writes... Hey crew. So John, I know you're a big Leafs fan. Yes, I am. Did you know a Swedish production company has a Boreas Salming biopic slash drama miniseries coming out? I did hear about that starring Walter Skarsgård uh, coming out November 19th. I don't think it has a North American distributor yet. Yeah, I have, I've heard no way that I might be able to watch that. For those of you who don't know, Boreas Salming, legendary number 21 on the Toronto Maple Leafs, legendary, maybe the greatest defenseman in the history of the fabled story, Toronto Maple Leafs. And he unfortunately just passed away recently. And uh, that sucks. I grew up, I was literally a child, like a little child grew up watching him play. Um, thanks for that, Justice Tip. Next up, uh, Lady Metal Fan writes, 
With the bad box office and critics of the Marvels, do you think it will be 10, 20, 30 years before we get another female lead superhero movie? Uh, Thor, Ant-Man can have bad days, but we know it won't take 10 plus years for a new movie to be made uh, due to some fan hypocrisy. Nah. Listen, the, the ridiculousness of that, I mean, remember the last Captain Marvel movie made over a billion dollars. And to any of the brain-dead idiots that you hear say, well, the only reason it made a billion dollars is because it came out in between the two Avengers movies. So did Ant-Man and the Wasp. And that didn't make anywhere near a billion dollars. So like the last one they did made over a billion dollars. This one comes out, this Marvel movies comes out, listen, I already gave, a month before this movie came out, I gave you guys a big list of four big reasons why the Marvels was going to face big challenges in the box office. Right? I laid out, these are all the reasons this movie's going to have a hard time at the box office. Now, it's even lower than I expected it, but I've been saying for a long time that this movie is going to have challenges at the box office, and I give a list of reasons why, and I don't need to go into them again. But Kevin Feige is, and Marvel's like, just because, you know, The Flash bombed at the box office, no one's going... Why well, I, I guess audiences don't want to see male-led superhero movies. Just because Black Adam bombed at the box office, that doesn't mean they're going, well, I I I guess nobody wants to see Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies. Uh just because, you know, Blue Beetle bombed at the box office. No one's going, well, I I guess nobody wants to see a movie with the word blue in it. This one movie tanking, and it is tanking. Woo! It's tanking. Uh, this one movie tanking, there are uh, too many smart people in Marvel who are going to go, yeah, uh, last time we put out, I mean, we put out Black Widow in a pandemic, day and date, on Disney Plus and in theaters, and it still made $80 million opening weekend. And Captain Marvel made over a billion dollars the box office. They know that the reason it bombed was had more to do with the big list of reasons that I've been giving for a couple of months now than it did with the fact that women star in it, right? A wonder woman made over $700 million at the box office. Anyway, we could go on and on and on and on, but they will get back to making female led superhero movies just because you know why? Because it's not a female led superhero movie. It's just a superhero movie. It's just a superhero movie. And Kevin Feige knows that. So anyway, there's that. Okay. Next up, uh, let's see. Garden Variety Vagabond writes, John, not only do I think that the story for the Marvels would have been better if they had started with the backstory. Oh, I 100% agree with that. You, you know this. Um, but that should have been the marketing. I 100% agree with that too. I think more would have gone uh, for the lead up of, of that than just comedy bits. Listen, instead of lying to your audience and saying, ooh, this new villain, Darben, she's connected to Thanos. She's carrying on Thanos' work. She's like a legacy of Thanos. Instead of lying to the audience and doing that, they should have given us a backstory. Have in the trailers, my world is dying. The Kree Empire, homeworld of Hala, ever since the Annihilator destroyed our supreme intelligence. And like if they had put a little bit of that in the trailers to make us understand the villain and understand what our antagonist's motivations were, I think it would have been way more effective. Because as it stood, none of us cared who this villain was. And then they started off 
the movie without giving us her backstory. Just, hi, everybody, I'm the new villain, and nobody cared. And yeah, they definitely should have changed it up, and it definitely should have been a part of the marketing garden. Absolutely should have been a part of marketing. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Cody Hunt Films writes, in episode five of Loki season one, when old Loki uh, creates the distraction for uh, Alioth, I always mispronounce it, uh, Loki asks, how is he able to do that? Uh, Sylvie replies, I think there's more powerful, I think we're a lot more powerful than we realize. Yeah, I mentioned that already a little bit earlier today. This is why I don't question Loki's power by the end of the series. By the way, that demonstration of power in Loki season one, episode five, Less than a percent of a percent of a percent of the amount of power Loki would require to be the god who breathes life into all of existence. That is nothing. That is a pea shooter next to what was required of a howitzer cannon. Like that was nothing. Absolutely nothing. Loki is a frost giant who learned some magic from Frigga and lived on Asgard. And that all of a sudden out of nowhere, Loki is a thousand times more powerful than the all-father Odin. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Guys, listen. Listen to me, my fellow film fans. It's okay to love Loki and acknowledge that it made mistakes. And I think the way they handled that was a mistake. Again, it was the completion of a brilliant character arc. I love the fact that Loki, who had always sought a throne, ends up sitting on a throne of self-sacrifice and gives up his own freedoms in life so he can keep everyone else safe. It's a brilliant character arc. I just think they needed to do more to earn it other than saying, oh, by the way, out of nowhere, this Loki character who got stabbed to death and choked out. <laughs> oh yeah, he now has the power to breathe life into all of existence in the entire multiverse. They needed to do a little bit more. And it's okay to love the show and acknowledge that it did have a problem because that was a problem. I really do believe that was a problem. Anyway, uh, next up, Suthius writes, uh, so Disney's last $1 billion animated series were back in 2019 with Frozen 2. That was just a couple of years ago. Uh, Toy Story 4 and The Lion King. Since then, the next highest entry was Elementals with $494 million. Upcoming next are Wish and Inside Out 2. Do you think Wish will pass $494 million? Ooh, I don't know. Now, also keep in mind, there was this little thing called a global pandemic that kind of also happened since you know, frozen too. Just, I'm just saying, keep that in mind. No, I, I don't see, I don't think wish can make $494 million. It's just, it's hasn't been marketed. And even the marketing, while I think the marketing looks cute, I think the marketing looks cute. I don't think it's marketing that's getting a ton of people excited. I think the movie, I'm just making a, a blind prediction here. I think the movie is going to be awesome. Uh, but it just hasn't, I don't think there's enough awareness of the film, to be honest with you. I, I just don't see it doing that. I hope it now. I might totally change my mind once I see the movie and maybe we'll believe it has much better legs. But for now, I have a hard time seeing it making 500 million. Maybe it will. I hope it does, if it's good. All right, next up. James writes, Will we get Fantastic Forecasting before American Thanksgiving? I can't even remember when American Thanksgiving is, to be honest with you. Uh, guys in the live chat, when is American Thanksgiving? It's on a Thursday, right? 
Anyway, uh, will we get Fantastic Forecasting before American Thanksgiving film comes out in May of 2025, which means it probably starts filming in the next six months? Yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely getting filming. And remember, the, the director of... Um, the director of Fantastic Four already kind of said he kind of let it slip that they've already cast it. I mean, the casting for Fantastic Four has been done for a while. They just haven't announced who it is yet. Do I, so people are saying it's November 23rd is American Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, so that's in like a week, isn't it? That's like a little over a week from now. I don't know if we'll get it within the next week. I I can totally see us. Here's what I think. I think we will get the Fantastic Four casting before Christmas. I think we'll get the casting before Christmas. Uh, it's possible within the next week, although I I, I doubt the last the next last week. T three collects is saying casting at San Diego Comic Con 2024. No, no, because they'll already be filming the movie by then. Like they'll. They'll be if this movie is coming out in the first half of 2025, by Comic Con 2024, this movie will already be in production. So the announcement of the cast is going to come out long before San Diego Comic Con, no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm going to guess before Christmas, before Christmas. So uh, we will see. All right. Uh, next up, we've got. Uh, Garden Variety Vagabond writes in again and says, scarily, the box office revenue to production cost ratio for the MCU is starting to head to the Star Trek zone. Fan expectations for CGI, et cetera, and actor salaries make you wonder if it is actually becoming near impossible to ever reach past financial success. It absolutely is. But it's all like, for instance, it doesn't matter how expensive your movie is. If your movie makes $800 million, your movie's going to be profitable. I, I mean... You would have to you would have to make the most expensive film in the history of film for your movie to hit eight hundred million dollars and not be profitable. You can't. The question is, uh, Marvel is in a streak right now where they're having trouble getting films to that. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy three did it, but they've been putting out lower quality content than what we're used to, and as a result, fewer people are getting as excited for their projects. Now, Deadpool three is next up. And I think Deadpool 3 will be a billion-dollar film. And they may have actually put themselves in a position to really turn things around, maybe. Deadpool 3 is going to be the only feature film that they have come out in 2024. I think that's going to be a billion-dollar film. I think it's going to be awesome. No reason to believe it's not going to be. So you're going to have an awesome Marvel film with Deadpool 3. And then almost a year until the next Marvel film comes out. So there's going to have be a wait period. It's going to feel like the, when the next Marvel film comes out after Deadpool 3, it's going to feel like an event. And that's, that's something that Marvel films haven't felt like for a long time. They haven't felt like events. So they got to make them really good. All right, next up. Garden Variety Vagabond writes, I'm not a comic book guy, but two new ones are making me pick some up. Paul Dano has the Riddler year one, yep, coming out on the 21st based on his character prep for the Batman. And I have to get Iman Vellani's Ms. Marvel story, Ms. Marvel, the New Mutant. Yeah, I that's the one I really want to read. So Iman, for those of you who don't know, 
good Canadian girl, Aman Vellani, who plays Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel in the MCU, and she's fantastic. Um, they actually let her write. They actually let her write one. So I'm super excited. I want to read it. I haven't read it myself yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. Okay. Um, oh, and that will do it for all of the tip questions that came in. And we can now move over to the super chats that you got. By the way, for those of anybody who's been trying to send in super chats, we turned off the super chats a while ago. We've got, we're already... Congressman is calling for a federal investigation into Warner Brothers Discovery for the Coyote versus Acme fiasco, saying it's predatory and anti-competitive. <laughs> that guy's an idiot and doesn't even know it. I have no idea who you're talking about, but clearly they're a moron. All right, Fangblaze71 uh, says, I really loved how Loki 2 uh, felt like it had a real ending. Besides Endgame and Guardians 3, it feels like every MCU project has more setup for other projects at the end rather than an ending. I don't know that I agree with that. I like one of the, listen, I've particularly in the last couple of years, I've got some complaints about some Marvel films, but I always feel like, listen, you can have a segue to something coming in the future and still have a definitive ending. It reminds me a lot of every season finale of Supernatural. Remember the show Supernatural? Um, every season would end with the story of that season being wrapped up. But then it would go on for about another five or 10 minutes that would completely set up the next season, right? They would set up the next season. And I think the vast majority of MCU films definitely had definitive endings while also having open doors for future stuff. See, I only get frustrated when a movie ends and it felt like this, the story didn't conclude. Like we didn't, we didn't get any sort of a, even if it's in chapters, like I want to feel like this chapter had a conclusion. Um, but yeah, it, it, it didn't, by the way, somebody's saying Jay, uh, J David is saying something very dumb. <laughs> You're not dumb, Jay. I'm just saying, like I say dumb things sometimes. I think you just said something. Nobody cares about Dune. Really? Cause the last Dune movie during a pandemic and released day and date on HBO Max when anybody could have stayed home and watched it for free, that movie made over $400 million at the box office when people could have just stayed home and watched it for free and won more Oscars that year than any other film. Uh, next up, uh, that was Fang Blaze. Next up, we got YT Pump Life writes, one of three. For me, Monica was the highlight of the Marvels. When she lit up at the end, I was in awe. It reminded me of when Captain Marvel first went by in her binary form. Uh, that line and emotion in her voice when she tells Carol, I knew it would have to stay, I would have to stay, as she closes the wormhole, screamed. Uh, I screamed bullshit in my theater. Uh, but overall, five out of 10, a lot of it was meh. Um, I really like, listen, I liked all three of the leads in the movie. I really did. I, I, th I thought all three of the leads, particularly their chemistry together, I thought was really, really great. Um, all the problems I had with the movie were outside of the core characters, like weak villains, some really cringy scenes, badly paced, like uh, all that stuff that I've gone over a million times. But the things that really worked with the main character, now for me, Iman Vellani stole the movie. It, that was Ms. Marvel's movie. She's kind of the heart of the MCU right now, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, Monica was really good in it, to be honest with you. All right. 
Next up, Fangblaze 71 writes, did you see the rumor that Cap 4 got pushed so far because of bad in-house test screenings? Yeah, I don't I don't believe that for a second. I saw Sean talk about it and I was wondering your thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I looked into that. I don't think there's any credibility to it. By the way, I, I'm not telling you take that to the bank. I'm just I'm just telling you I don't believe there's any validity to that. There was also this report saying they were going to have to do five and a half months of reshoots, and I'm like, you do know that's longer than like that's longer than it would take them to shoot the movie from scratch. Like, anyway, yeah, I I don't buy it. I don't buy. It. I'm not saying I don't buy that the film might have. Uh, issues or that the film might not have some stuff that they need to work out. I'm not saying that at all. That's very well could be possible. But yeah, whenever I hear about test screenings, I never believe it. Unless it's coming from the studio itself or one of the directors, I never believe it because 99% of the time it ends up not being true. It ends up being something somebody read on Reddit or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, Anyway, next up. We got Fangblaze also writes, I think one of the reasons Loki and WandaVision stand out and are the best two shows is most uh, shows for most is they have a fantastic cast if side characters. You probably mean of side characters. Uh, all the other shows, side characters are quite forgettable in my opinion. Um, I would say WandaVision and Ms. Marvel are still the cream of the class. Like they're still the 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 two gold standards Ms. or WandaVision, the top thing. And Ms. Marvel, I think the next, I'd say Loki season two is in third ahead of everything. And then everything else is a big quality gap. But I would agree with you. And I would include Ms. Marvel in that. One of the reasons I think Ms. Marvel is so brilliant is the side characters are so great. Like Kamala's family is so, and her friends are so good and so charming. WandaVision same thing. Side characters were all great. Um, Loki, not as much because there weren't as many of them, but Ouroboros in season two. Obviously, Mobius. Owen Wilson is great in that role. And you're right. I think side characters has a big... I don't know if it's the reason, but I think it's probably one of the big reasons for sure. All right. Next up, John Redcorn writes, Madam Web trailer is coming tomorrow. Excited. By the way, I I think that's a rumor. There, It might be true. It might be true. But I, I haven't seen the studio officially announce that. It's, I've heard reports saying it's coming out, but I haven't heard the studio say it is. Whether it does or doesn't, yes, I am very interested to see a trailer for this movie because I was like everybody else where I was like, why are you making a Madam Web movie? But then once I started to hear what it might be about, I started to get quite interested. So I'd be very curious to see um, to see what a trailer looks and feels like. So I hope it's good. All right, Ismail Montoya. Oh, um, Renea Gordon is saying they released a new logo. Is that true? Guys in the live chat, did they actually release a new logo for, for uh, Madam Web? Does anybody, uh, Michael Gonzalez is saying, yes, they did. Well, they dropped a logo today that not always, but is often a precursor to a trailer dropping. So man, maybe we do get a Madam Web trailer tomorrow. I'm, I'm kind of hyped for that. I'd love to see it. All right. Anyway, Ismail Montoya writes, Hey John, uh, did Tom Hiddleston come out publicly and say it, it be unwise to not consider a return to the MCU or was that the same interview article? No, no, he didn't say it was, it would be unwise not to return. 
What he specifically said was it would be unwise to count it out. All right. I read, I read the quote. I don't have the quote open right now in front of me, unfortunately, but I read the quote a little bit earlier. He didn't say it would be unwise not to continue. He said it would be unwise to just definitively think it's over and it'll never happen. Because uh, he pointed out, I've done it before. But some people took that and paraphrased it to saying, hey, Tom Hiddleston said it'd be unwise to think he's not coming back. That's not what he said. He said it would be unwise to rule it out. And um, and again, I've said since yesterday when he, when he said that he was kind of wrapped up being Loki, I believe we're going to see him again as Loki. I really do. I don't know how long it'll be till we see him as Loki again, but I think we will. All right, Aiden Foley writes, just finished Barry for the first time. I love that show. Uh, outside of the series finale, which I found disappointing, a lot of people did, unfortunately. It's fantastic. No-Ho Hank is absolutely brilliant. No-Ho Hank, for those of you who might have watched Gotham, uh, the TV series Gotham, he was uh, Zaz. Uh, wasn't he Zaz? No-Ho no -Ho was, was Zaz, right? No-Ho Hank was Victor Zaz in Gotham. I believe it was the same guy. Almost, I'm almost 100% sure it was the same guy. Yeah, I, I thought the show was great. I thought it fell off a little bit near the end, to be honest. But the first few seasons, absolutely remarkable. Like, I, I really loved the show. I thought it was great. All right, next up. Uh, Cody Hunt writes, If the loom was a fail-safe for the sacred timeline, then the multiversal war could only happen if Loki became the god of stories, which falls into what... H.W.R. Oh, he who remains said all along. Uh, it'll all come back to him. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true. Now, on the John Campion show this morning, one of the things that I mentioned was that on top of the fact that it looks like there are now some credible looking reports coming out that Marvel is moving away from the Kang storyline, was that Loki season two ends with the TVA now repurposed to just tracking down the Kang variants. And even Moby is saying, okay, we got this one, right? And he had a file that was on one of the Kang variants, right? And it looks, it looks like they wrapped it up. Now, after I did that show, one of you guys wrote into me and sent me a link to uh, a new Rockstars video. New Rockstars and I have the same uh, ad representation. We're under the same umbrella. But... <clears throat> One of you guys sent me a link to a video where they were pointing out the exact same thing. And I, look, I don't know. I don't K-N-O-W, capital K-N-O-W. I don't know that they're getting rid of the Kang storyline and they're saying that the end of season two was wrapping it up. But I'm believing it. I, I think they might be done with Kang. Uh, we'll find out soon if that's true or not, but I, I have a feeling they might be. We'll find out. I certainly don't know anything for a fact, though, Cody, to be honest with you. All right, next up. John Redcorn writes, In 2024, we have one MCU film, Deadpool 3, one DC film, kind of, Joker 2, and three Sony Spider-Man spinoffs, Madam Web, Craven, and Venom. That feels weird. It does kind of feel weird. But listen, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I'm looking forward to all three of those Sony movies. Look, I know the Venom films are not everybody's cup of tea. Fair enough. But I unapologetically and enthusiastically love the first Venom. I love that movie. Uh, I remember Ray and I went to go see it the first time and we had a ball. 
I liked Venom 2. Not as much. But but I, did, I still had a good time with Venom 2. Morbius? Train wreck. Um, Sony has also put out the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse movies. Chef's Kiss, some of the best comic book movies ever made. So, is Madam Web and Craven and Venom 3, are these going to be more like Venom 1 or are they going to be more like Morbius? Are they going to be more to the quality of a Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse or are they going to be more to the quality of Morbius? Don't know. I don't know. But I am excited to find out. I am excited to find out. Uh, All right. Let's keep going here. Uh, next up was Murray Reich, who writes, I saw the holdovers. Brilliant, by the way. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I loved it. Uh, it. Movies are experiential events, and this movie made me feel. Anyway, I saw the holdovers. It was great. Had a lot of dark humor, but balanced with a mix of drama and also felt emotional. Paul Giamatti's performance is a dick, but Broken Teacher was fantastic. I think he's going to get some Oscar buzz. I'll be honest with you. They really do. Check it out. It's fantastic. Totally flew under my radar because this was the week that the Marvels was coming out. I think it flew under the radar for a lot of people. It's going to totally trash the box office, but uh, I think it's a wonderful film. Not quite as good as Sideways, but... Just an excellent, excellent film. All right, Fang Blaze writes, I'm 40 episodes into One Piece and really loving it so far. I've never liked any anime before, but damn, this one is good. Ever see it, John? Nope, I have no interest in it. Not gonna watch it. Again, I'm not saying it's not great. I've never seen it, so I can't say it's good or bad. I'm not saying anything like that. So don't anybody start going and saying, Campy is trash talking One Piece. No, I'm not. Never seen it. I'm just saying I, I have no interest, so I'm probably not gonna watch it. But... I'm glad I've had a lot of people write and say that they love it. And I'm glad you picked it up and I'm glad you're enjoying it. Fang blaze. All right. Next up. Uh, Shecky writes, uh, hi, I don't know if you've seen IMDb's top TV shows recently, but the top spot has been held by an anime called attack on Titan for a few days. Now, when will you give anime a go better late than never? Oh, I've watched a bunch of the first season of attack on Titan. I didn't like it. Um, I read the Attack on Titan graphic novel stuff because Anne bought a whole bunch of them years ago and I got into it. So I thought I, and I really liked it and I thought I'd try the animation. And I know a lot of people love the animated one and that's great. It, but it, it became very apparent to me quickly. It was not working for me in animated form. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, it just wasn't for me, unfortunately. Okay. Next up, John Redcorn writes, you think Aaron Rodgers returns this year? Yes, I do. Um, he was He's already throwing. He's already throwing. He's on the sidelines, throwing the ball. He's not walking with a limp anymore. Yeah, I think he'll appear in one or two games this year. Maybe yes, maybe no, but I think he will. Robert Presser writes, saw the holdovers twice. Definitely a nine out of 10. Again, I don't give scores to movies, but I thought it was wonderful. And again, I think Paul Giamatti's going to get some Oscar buzz. I think it's going to get some... Uh, I don't think it'll get a Best Picture nomination, but it might get some discussion. I mean, you might see a Best Director nomination. I don't know. I thought it was really good. All right. Uh, Eddie Burton writes, a while back uh, when Gunn took over DC, he said there were possibilities. Didn't we answer this already? There were possibilities for Keaton's Batman and future projects. All things considered now, I'm positive we've already answered this question. Did he send it in twice? Anyway, I'm positive we already answered that question. Help me out, guy. I'm not going crazy, right? In the live chat. I'm not going crazy, right? We already answered this question earlier in the video. Yes. Yes. 
Somebody let me know. You did. Okay. Michael Gonzalez is saying you did. Uh, uh, King Dice saying he doesn't remember that one, but Michael Gonzalez is saying you did. Okay. And Lane Ford is also saying, yes, he did. Okay. So we'll keep going. Uh, next up, uh, we've got Christ Courage writes Deadpool three Wolvies in my pool. I still like the Deadpool threesome. Just instead of Deadpool three, just Deadpool threesome. The only problem with that title, of course, is who's the third. Right? You got Deadpool, you got Wolverine, but who's the third? Don't know. All right. Uh, Tim writes, I just watched The Killer, gotta see it, uh, the new Michael Fassbender film, uh, and thought, and though it's not top tier Fincher, I really enjoyed it. Have you seen it yet? No, but I, I gotta get on that. I really wanna watch it. Uh, I, I'm dying to see a good Michael Fassbender film. I am dying to see a good Michael Fassbender film because it's been a while. I was kind of hoping Next Goal Wins would be the next really good Michael Fassbender film, but it wasn't. Um, so I'm really hoping this one can be it. All right, guys, we've got some more questions to get to, but before we do, we're going to take one more break here. I'm going to top up my drink again, and we're going to hear from another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to my mobile service provider mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right guys let's get through the last couple of questions here that we have coming in we're going to start off here with murray reich who writes in i also saw the killer great slow burn but picks up throughout it definitely was interesting to see from an assassin's perspective not the best fincher that's kind of the theme. Liked it, but not the best Fincher. Okay. Uh, not the best uh, Fincher, but I'm glad I saw it in theaters versus on Netflix. Yeah, I, I got to get around to watching this again. I am curious for any of you who have seen it, maybe you can uh, write into the live chat if you've seen it. Um, I'd like to know how was Fastbender in it? I, I'd be really curious to know how Fastbender was in it. Uh, so please, if you've seen it, fire it down in there. I, I'd like to see. Um, who is Stavros is saying, uh, the only problem I had with killers that two of the people deserved a second chance. Well, again, don't go into spoiler, uh, issues. Uh, Johnny Vusan, he's saying Michael Fassbender is great in it. Okay. Good to see. Uh, but he's saying that the movie was meh. Oh, okay. Um, TCG is saying Fassbender was great. I want to see him back as Magneto more, uh, than ever. I don't know that he's going to be Magneto anymore. I'm actually, I'm pretty certain he's not, but I'd totally be down for him to come back as Magneto. I really, really would. All right. Next up, we got King Daddy Goat who writes, can you believe 
the but Broncos beat the Bills. Listen, here's the thing. The Broncos are 3-1 and one in their last four games. They've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs and now the Buffalo Bills. Um, listen, there's a reason Denver paid so much money to get Sean Payton there as the coach. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that when the new coach comes in, it's going to take a little while for them to implement their systems, get the team on the same page. Look, I ain't saying that the Broncos are going to the playoffs. But again, the Broncos are now 3-1 and one in their last four games. And I think, I mean, with their, their defense has been great. And there are now teams that were looking at the Broncos as, ha-ha, there's an easy win, that are now looking at them and sweating a little bit. So, hey, listen... Buffalo shot themselves in the foot. They lost that game. Uh, it's their own fault. They made so many bloody mistakes. It's crazy. But I'm just saying, don't sleep on the Broncos. They're not as bad as they were, really. Anyway, Zeus Fleming writes, uh, I call those people bro flakes. Not sure who we're talking about, but I kind of like the, the term sounds funny. All right, Fangblaze71 writes, Garfield is to me what Shrek is to Taylor. I'm hyped for this movie. I read it so much as a kid and watched all the shows and movies on repeat. Listen, Fangblaze, I am kind of with you in the sense that I grew up on Garfield, right? I have totally grown up with Garfield. Um, I, I loved it. I bought all the books at the book fair. Every time a new collection came out, I would read it. I absolutely loved him. One of the reasons why I love lasagna so much is Garfield and Odie and John. And I, I love him. But I honestly just don't know if there's an audience today for it. I don't know if there's an audience today for it. Now, I say that, but the new trailer was pretty damn cute. And like my wife loved the new trailer. So I don't know. Maybe there will be an audience for it. No, maybe I'm wrong. So uh, hopefully I am. I hope it's going to be great. All right. Next up. Uh, Buck's Basement writes, have you heard any production dates for Stranger Things? I I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Wednesday and One Piece. Uh, can you imagine that they release all these new seasons in 2025? Well, David Harbour, um, I believe David Harbour just the other day said they're going back into production on, they're going into production on Stranger Things season five in a couple of days. Um, so that should be going into production really soon. As far as One Piece, never watched it, so I have no. I don't follow One Piece. I don't keep my eye open for One Piece news, so I, I just honestly don't know. And Wednesday, I haven't heard anything, but I did hear David Harbour mention that they're going into production in a few days, so they might already be in production on season five, like as of today. I'm not really sure, but if it's not today, it's probably pretty damn soon. All right. Next up, King Daddy writes, uh, have you been hearing about reshoots for Cap? And we discussed that a little bit later. Uh, I believe they're going to be reshoots, but I don't think it's going to be like five months of reshoots. Uh, Andy writes, uh, wanted to mention this as you th thought Snow... Let me try this again. One of two. Wanted to mention this as you thought Snow in Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes seems like a decent guy at first. He's actually an entitled sociopath. Uh, from the start of the book and how he became a bigger sociopath stems from his genuine fear and experience of war and how he views humans in love. Well, that's interesting. I mean, but Andy, don't don't go spoiling things about the movie to people. Like I, I, most people, I don't even think know that the book exists. 
uh, let alone. So just, just be careful about that. But either way, this is a movie that I had no interest in. And the trailers have made me interested. And uh, we'll see if I think it ends up being any good. All right. Our final question of the day, as this episode show is supposed to be an hour and it's going to be closer to two hours today. Remy Alestra writes, Ryan Gosling as Link John, not that blasphemous pick uh, from Dune Boy, uh, Wonka Boy, Chalamet. Listen, you're not going to want to hear this. Chalamet's the better actor. He just is. He's the better actor. You don't have to like Chalamet more than you like Ryan Gosling. By the way, I love Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is a good Canadian kid. I love the dude. He is fantastic. Love him. Chalamet's on another level. His pure acting power is on another level. And I don't know if anybody could see... Again, I love Ryan Gosling. I can't wait to watch Fall Guy. But I don't know if anybody could see Ryan Gosling playing Link. Like, it's not that you have to go out and get a a 19-year-old to play Link. But if I double-check here, um, I think Gosling's in his 40s. Uh, Yeah, how old's Ryan Gosling? Let me check here. Yeah, he's 43 years old. I don't think anybody's looking to see a 43-year-old Link. Now, he looks amazing for 43, don't get me wrong. But, I, I, yeah, I don't think anybody's looking for a 43-year-old man to play Link. Um, and now, listen, that being said, there are many roles you could mention to me that I would take a Gosling as a better fit over Timothy Chalamet. But, yeah, man, listen, Chalamet's a great actor. He would make a great Link. I think the age range is right. I think the physical type is right. Uh, as far as pure acting power, he's one of the best in the world right now. Um, he's going to have multiple Oscars on his mantle. Uh, he's already had, I think, multiple nominations, but he's going to have multiple Oscars on his mantle before his career is done. Um, and I, again, I say this as a guy who loves, loves, loves Ryan Gosling, but I don't think many people could see Ryan Gosling um, playing Link. I mean, I, I just don't. Anyway, guys, that's all the questions you guys sent in, but I'm going to take up just a minute or two here. And I'm going to take some more questions from you guys just in the live chat. If you guys have a question or a thought in the live chat, go ahead and fire it in. Let's see here. Um, Let's see. Uh, Angel saying they would need an unknown for Link. I disagree with that. I don't think you shouldn't get an unknown. I think you you can get an unknown. But I don't believe for a minute that if you're going to get somebody to play Link, it has to be an unknown actor. I don't believe that for a second. I think you can get a known, recognized talent. um, But... Getting an unknown wouldn't be a bad idea either. Look, you get the best person for the role. Doesn't matter if it's an actor we know or an actor we don't know. Just get the best person who fits the role and uh, fits the role according to the the script. Uh, Malik R says, do you think Link should speak? Thousand percent Link should speak. Thousand percent. Um... Listen, in the games, Link communicates, right? It's just, yes, no doubt, 1,000%, Link absolutely should and will speak, uh, 100%. Uh, Let's see. Uh, T3 is saying, John Cabe, season five starts filming January 8th, 2024. Okay, all I know is that David Harbour 
the other day, I, some of you may say David Harbour said that they start filming in a few days, which is weird. I never heard of that, but then he came out and said that. So you're saying they start January 8th. Maybe they gave an official thing and maybe he meant they're going to start rehearsing. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Iceness is saying giving Sony Zelda live action rights was a mistake. No, it wasn't. It was a hundred percent the right decision. Thousand percent the right decision. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dominic saying Dallas Cowboys or Bills? Bills. Uh, let's see. Um, Aquaman will have a better weekend than the Marvels. Man, I don't know. I don't know. The state of the DCU, everybody's given up on it. Now, the last one made over a billion dollars, but so did the last Captain Marvel. All right, I'm going to say... I'm going to say no. Now, I, I, I may change... I reserve the right to change my prediction, you know, as we get closer to the release, but right now I'll say no. Because the audience has just completely abandoned the DCEU. So I I don't, I don't know. Um, Dominic saying Dacker, Josh Allen, Josh Allen every day of the week. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, is Godzilla minus one playing near you in December? Yes. Uh, Ray and I actually already have our tickets. Uh, we're going to, I can't remember what day it is, but I know we've already got our tickets for uh, Godzilla's minus one. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Goodwin, speaking of Godzilla, is asking, are you excited for Monarch Legacy of Monsters? 100%. Yes. Very excited for it, actually. The reviews have been great. I think it looks fantastic. Um, so I am, I'm actually pretty stoked for it. I really am. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, by sending in those questions, you supported this channel and all of us involved at the channel. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget to come on back and join us for the John Campus Show tomorrow. Uh, me, Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, Jonathan, Ray, we're going to be talking about Supergirl. They just hired a writer for Supergirl. Anyway, a bunch of other things as well. Um, hopefully you guys will come back and join us for that. So that'll do it for us for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.